Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Yeah, super exciting uh, to have those three new people join us. Uh, I am very keen uh, to work with them. Uh, I'm actually going away for four weeks tomorrow, uh, so it's really going to be a trial by fire for them. Uh, they've got a week to kind of learn everything, and then we just leave them to it and see what we come back to. Uh, so it should be fun, uh, but they're all each one better than the last. You can figure out which order that's in, but they're really great. We're really excited to work with them, and it's really, really exciting. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name's Braden. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Uh, special welcome to everyone. If you're online, thanks so much for joining us. And if you're new here, extra special warm welcome to you. We're really excited that you're here to join us this morning. Uh, and on the kind of the note of like uh, commissioning these guys uh, into their role, uh, I was thinking a little bit about uh, what it means to be a pastor and how that kind of fits into the rest of the church. Uh, I had another one of my haircuts this week where eventually uh, the person cutting my hair asked what I do for a job. Uh, and after explaining that uh, I'm a pastor but not spaghetti, uh, we <laughs> it's kind of like one of those funny things, like what do you actually do? What does it actually mean to, to be a pastor? And one of, one of the things that's really cool about having them here is that we uh, get to, we, we are blessed by them and, and the time, that the extra time that they have to, to give to like and give to the church, but also by the talents that God has given them and the gifts that God has given them. Um, and so we see they're branded up on stage. Uh, he's got some great pipes. Uh, did a great job leading worship this morning, and so it's really excited to have him on board. Uh, if you see him lead worship, all the background stuff he does is even better. So it's really exciting to have him and, and the rest of them uh, all have some amazing gifts and abilities. Uh, but what does that mean for us as well? Uh, that's one of the interesting things, because sometimes it's really easy to kind of be like, all right, uh, we've got a we've got a worship pastor suite. We can kind of just relax and worship, take a back seat, let Brandon wor- lead worship every week and just enjoy uh, the good times. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it is slightly different to that, and the Bible looks at things slightly differently. It's not a, uh, an, a you know, elect some people to do the work for us, uh, but it's actually we are all commissioned as Christians to do the work of bringing the kingdom uh, on earth. We are all commissioned as people within the church to use what God has given us uh, to serve God. That is, that is how uh, the Bible works and how things happen. And so we're looking at the parable of the talents today. Um, and I think for a lot of you, uh, this is one that you've heard a lot of times. Uh, and I'm not going to, I'm actually going to spend more time looking at kind of the, some of the stuff underneath it first. Uh, so if you get worried where, uh, you know, it's like the, the 20 minute mark and I start reading the Bible passage, don't freak out. It's okay. Um, we're going to look at some of the underlying stuff as well, because I think that brings out who we are and, and what we are called to, to do and who we are called to be. Um, so for those of you who, who aren't familiar with the parable of the talents or the, or the, the money bags or, or whatever you want to call it, it's, um, it's a parable that comes up in the book of Matthew, uh, also comes up a, a very similar one in the book of Luke as well. And the way it goes is uh, a, a master or you know, a man gives three of his servants some amounts of money. And he goes away, and the idea is that he's given the money for it to be invested, uh, for the money to kind of grow into more money while he's away. So that's their servant's job, to to grow uh, the master's wealth while he's gone. 
and, and one, the, the first two uh, managed to double the money that, that was given to them. Uh, but the third one, instead of trying to put the money to work, he buries it in the ground. And when the master comes back, he commends the first two on the job that they've done with what was given to them. And the third one, uh, he says, you wicked, lazy servant, cast him out. Um, and that's kind of the end of the parable. Uh, and, and we've kind of looked at that quite often through life, like using your talents and using what God has given you. Uh, but I want to spend a little bit more time thinking about what, the, what are the implications of that and, and what's, what is Jesus trying to encourage us to do and, and commission us to do. So the first thing that's really important um, is that uh, this is like right at the end of Jesus' ministry when he tells his parable. And so the parables aren't kind of like some just random arrangement that Jesus tells a story here, tells a story there, could be about this, could be about that, but they're actually deliberate in where they're placed and when Jesus is telling them. So uh, in the book of Matthew, this is the second last parable that Jesus tells. In the book of Luke, it's the last one. Um, and then after that, it goes into Jesus being betrayed and Jesus dying. So if you were Jesus, like you kind of want to leave some of your best ones to last in the sense of like, this is what you need to do. If you're going to remember any of them, remember the last one. And the other one is that uh, this is kind of a, a section where Jesus is trying to get them ready for when he is gone. And so he's saying like, all right, this is, we're coming to the end of the ministry. I've taught you a whole bunch of stuff. I'm going to go away. I'm going to come back. And, and what you do in that time when I'm away is really important. And so this is kind of the context where this parable sits and, and some of the things that are underlying this story that Jesus is telling. Uh, the, the second thing um, is, is this word talent kind of is a little bit confusing sometimes uh, because uh, in the Bible, the Greek word is talentos uh, and we translate it to talent, which is you know, where we get the word talent. Uh, but yeah, it's a pretty complicated language. Um, but the thing is, is that sometimes we kind of read that back into it and we think Jesus is talking about our actual talent, our ability. So it's like, oh, um, God gave me the talent of juggling. Um, and, and so like, we're going you know, to look at what juggling means and all that kind of stuff. But it's actually much broader than that. Uh, we use uh, that word talent from that parable. That's actually kind of where it kind of stemmed from. Uh, but the talent uh, is really just, a, was, back then it was a, a weight like, you know, of measurement. So it was like talking about bags of gold. And the talent that, the, the talentos that Jesus is talking about is far broader than just our, like, our ability that God gives us. Um, and so part of that is that uh, the most important part, in fact, is that God gives us grace. That is something that God gives us. God gives us grace. Um, and, and there's that, that grace in salvation. So, so Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He rose again. And because of that, we experience the grace of God. So we are brought back into a relationship with God. That's, that's, a, that's a big thing. Um, and then there's things that are beyond that where God graces us in other ways. So, so God's graced us by living in Australia. Australia's a great place. You know, we, you know, we have lots of great resources. We, we get to live a, a pretty good life here. Like, we're well looked after. Our government um, supports us in many ways. It's a great, uh, it's a, it's a grace to be in Australia. Uh, God graces us with relationships. Um, so, it might be a spouse. It might be a family. It might be really good friends. Uh, God graces us with children. God graces us uh, with uh, things like wealth or, uh, or different abilities that we can use for the kingdom. Uh, but the point of it is it's the resources that God gives us that we can use to grow God's kingdom. That's what it's talking about. God is, he gives us resources to build his kingdom. And while he is gone, we get to use them to continue to grow his kingdom. 
We can use them to different capacities. We can, we can hide them and bury them, or we can share them and use them to grow God's kingdom. That is the point. It's a broad uh, list of things that we can use. Uh, the, the third thing is that the number of talents that are given uh, to people uh, in the parable doesn't define their value. And this is an interesting one. So, so when God gives them five talents or, or three talents or one talent, the, the value of them is never defined on how many talents is given to them. So at the end, uh, when, when, God sees, uh, when the master sees that uh, the guy turns five talents into ten, great, well done, come share in my happiness. When he turns three talents into six, great, come share in my happiness. It's not a, oh, you know, you're a great guy and you've done great things, uh, great. Uh, you're an average guy and you've done average things, um, average. It's not that, it's what you have done with what you have given. And this is a really interesting thing because the way we often define value is what we're given, right? We often define value with what we're given. So, uh, Peter, uh, use the illustration of the good looks that we were given. Uh, that's, that's something that, <laughs> that we sometimes get. Uh, uh, the other, there's other ones, so like, you know, we, we are given uh, things like wealth, uh, that everyone has a different amount of money sitting in their bank account, uh, everyone has a different job that pays a different amount of money, uh, everyone has a different amount of friends, Every, there's so many different things that, that by circumstances uh, or, or, or by whatever it is that we use to compare, and a lot of those things are things that are given to us. We don't have much option in how we look. Uh, we don't have much option in, in what our IQ is. We don't have uh, much option in what family we're born into. But we use that to compare ourselves to each other. And, and God, the way that God works, isn't by defining us on what He has given us, but what we do with what we are given. And the tricky thing about when we define ourselves by what we are given is it leads to a lot of insecurity, which in turn hinders us from using what we are given. So if, if I am a musician um, and, and I thought that, man, like there's a mathematician here and I really wish I could be as good as him, uh, and, and I'm insecure because the, the talent of music that's been given to me isn't maths, and I really want to be a mathematician so everyone thinks I'm wonderful, uh, I might give up my musicianship so I can do, go do maths because I'm insecure about who I am and, and who I want to be. And so not only has, has the church lost a great musician, but we've also gained a horrible mathematician. Right? And, and so when we're insecure about something, we start to try and be someone who we're not, rather than using what we're given to be who God has called us to be. The other one is that if, if all of a sudden uh, mathematicians are the latest and, uh, and greatest and musicians kind of aren't looked at super fondly, we might look at the musician and say, hey, you're no mathematician. Uh, and so then when we, when we value other people that way, are they going to be a gonna want to be a musician? No. And so we need to make sure that as, as we define value, like there's going to be different people in our church. Some are going to be musicians, some are going to be mathematicians. We celebrate both of them because that is who God has made them to be. And, and, and we celebrate what they are able to do with it. We've actually got a really good mathematician here, by the way. So, um, but, we, you know, that's, that's how... Like, we, 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 want, we want to do the best we can with what we have given, been given. We want to know who we are and celebrate that, that God has made us that way. And we want to do the best we can with what we have been given. 
And we want to celebrate others with what they have been given and doing what they can do with what God has given them. And, and so as we, as we do that, there's probably two things that are, are worth mentioning about that. The first one is God hasn't made you lazy. Um, that's not a spiritual gift. Uh, and so if you're like, oh, God just hasn't really made me to do much. Um, actually, he has. Uh, that's not part of the, the package of who God has made you. Like there is responsibility on you and you are called to use what you have been given. Uh, the other one is that God also hasn't made you a sinner. And so your sin isn't something that you kind of just, that's who you are and that's who I am and I just live with it. Um, no, like God has called us to follow God and to follow His rules and, and to live a godly life. And so we, we can't excuse out those two things in terms of who we are, but there are things that God has made you in a special way. God has made you in the image of God and God has given you things that can be used to grow the kingdom of God and God is calling you to use them to grow His kingdom. Does that make sense? With me so far? Cool. All right. Last thing before we get into the passage, um, <clears throat> and this is a bit of an interesting one. So, uh, when um, quite often we, we, you know, we talk about the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, and in the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, we think of the, the Samaritan as a good guy because he, he's a good guy, right? He's, that's why it's called the Good Samaritan. Um, uh, but when we actually look at the context of the Good Samaritan, and when we look at it, quite often we realize that the, in, in kind of the community that Jesus is telling the story to, the Samaritans are the bad guys, and Jesus purposely tells the story about a good guy who should be a bad guy to catch people off and make them reevaluate what is valuable and what isn't. And in the parable of the talents, Jesus kind of does a little bit of the same thing here as well. And so if you think about it, so for starters, Matthew is a tax collector and, and tax collectors were known uh, for serving uh, Rome, who was kind of like this big master and using uh, their position to exploit their own Jewish people, which was seen as a really, really bad thing to do. Like, it was a, like a bad thing to exploit your own people for the sake of a master who wasn't your people. Uh, furthermore, uh, exploiting your own people with charging interest was also a really bad thing as well. Uh, so in Ezekiel uh, chapter 18, uh, Ezekiel's like listing these things of really bad things to do, and it's like um, sleeping with prostitutes, killing people, charging interest. Like, that's how it's kind of... And so, like, charging interest against your own people uh, was actually seen as a really, really bad thing to do. It was something that was kind of one of those top-tier uh, things that you should not do as a good human being. Uh, the other thing is that if, if the master uh, was, was profiting off other people, and, and he probably wasn't, like, he's going off to a distant land, which means he's probably not um, a Jew as well, which means... So, he's kind of like you know, the Rome kind of vibes, uh, he's probably also uh, taking money from the people who are living in their immediate area, which is your own people. So if you're working for your master to turn money into more money, you're, you're kind of taking money from your own people to profit the person who's not your people. So you might think, all right, uh, my master's trying to take advantage of my own people, so I'm going to try and be a roadblock there. Um, <clears throat> even in, uh, in Luke's uh, parable... Um, the, the master goes off to be anointed king uh, in another, in a faraway land, uh, which is what Herod did. So Herod went off to go and be uh, anointed as king in Rome. Uh, and so that kind of brings back these memories of, like, Herod was the bad guy, uh, by the way. We didn't like Herod. And so it kind of, like, starts to reminisce this guy, like, the master's probably not so much of a good guy. Uh, the servants are probably these guys that are supposed to be loyal to their people. Um, and, and the biggest thing is that a lot of kind of this lower class people in, um, 
2,000 years ago, <clears throat> it, wasn't a, it wasn't a money-making kind of people. So <clears throat> if, you, it, <clears throat> if you were to look at what, how they saw things, uh, there's a piece of pie. Imagine there's a piece of pie. <clears throat> wow, I'm struggling here. Um, there's, I think I'm good now. I'm good. I got it. The frog is gone. Um, so there's a pie. There's a limited amount of pie. And this pie is land, it's money, it's food, it's everything. Now, there's only so much pie to go around. So if you take more pie than what you need, that means someone else misses out on some pie. So if we all, you know, we bring a pie to Lakeside for lunch afterwards um, and someone takes half the pie, all of a sudden a whole bunch of people don't get any pie. And this was the way that people saw resources, especially in the peasant class, where you don't try and, and make more money than you need, you don't take more land than what you need, but rather you take what you need to support your family, to keep your food on the table for your family and nothing else because otherwise you were exploiting other people by taking more than what you need. You're taking more pie than what is required. So to go and, and be given these large sums of money and say, turn it into more money, means you're taking more pie than what you need. You're, so if, if, you, if you have a million dollars, which is more than you need already, and you, take, you turn that into two million dollars, you've taken a million dollars from other people, you've taken more pie, even though you've already got heaps. And so as a servant who, who's loyal to your people and just kind of this you know, normal tier kind of guy, you don't want the master to have more pie than what he needs because then it means that your friends have less. And so there's this different mentality where like, you might, when you first read the parable, you might think that the one talent guy is actually a pretty good dude. So rather than kind of you know, just doing what the master wants and following him blindly um, and, and at the expense of your own people, uh, you might say, actually, like, I am not going to do this. I'm going to try and look after my people here. And, and, I, I'm, you know, and, and rather than kind of saying, like, hey, master, like, you're such a great guy, you kind of be like, oh, um, master, you're actually a really harsh and mean guy, and so I didn't want to risk losing your money. I'm just going to give you work what, you, what you have, and that's it, nothing else, nothing more. And so when you first read the story, you might think, oh, like, the, the good guy is the, the one-talent guy. And, and obviously for us, like, we know that that's not the case. And here's the point. You're supposed to read the parable from the perspective of the one-talent guy rather than kind of just, like, looking out externally and thinking, wow, I hope, like... You know, I hope I'm the, the five-talent guy. Maybe I'll kind of be a little bit humble and be the three-talent guy. Uh, but nevertheless, I'm not the one-talent guy. But when we look at the perspective of the one-talent guy, we, we start to ask ourselves some questions as we start to make sense of the parable. So you'll be like, all right, I'm the one-talent guy who is the master, Jesus. Who have I snubbed in this scenario? Jesus. Who have I misunderstood? Jesus. Who have I kind of made like a little bit of a rude comment to? Jesus. What has Jesus entrusted me with and given me? Grace. What have I done with that grace? Nothing. Just hit it away. What, what is Jesus going to do when he returns? He's going to look at what you've done with that grace. So, what am, I, what am I doing? 
and, and rather than kind of looking out and thinking about, because quite often what we do when we read these stories is be like, oh, uh, I know Bob, he's the one talent guy. What a, what a, what a jerk. Um, we're rather, like, we start to think, how am I the one talent guy? How do I fall short? Where are the spaces where I bury that talent? Where are the spaces where I fall short rather than, and we examine ourselves, rather than kind of thinking about who, who's a five-talent guy, um, who's got four, who's got three, this guy's got seven, um, what, a, what a whiz. Uh, but then, like, then there's like this, what, this guy that buries his talents and he's not super great. So we examine our, ourselves. Um, so that gets us, we, we good? Now, now we can start the sermon. Um, so thanks for um, listening to that short introduction. Uh, so uh, we're in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Uh, and it says, And again, it will be like a man uh, going on a journey who called his servants and in, entrusted his wealth to them. Uh, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag each according uh, to his own ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags uh, went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. Also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, and the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And, And this is my first point. Don't bury the pie. Don't don't bury the pie. Um, and, and so for, for the, the one talent guy, he buries his money in the ground, which is back in those days, it's kind of like the safest baseline level of looking after your money. That was like kind of the, um, even if someone managed to find your money and steal it, uh, you're kind of insured because you did the, the best thing possible in terms of hiding your money. That was the way uh, that you would do it. And so he's kind of kept it safe. He's taking no risks. He's going to bring back what, is, what he's owed uh, to the master at the end of the story. Uh, and he's kind of not going to take any pie from someone else. But the reality is he keeps the grace that he has received and the talents and the gifts that God has given uh, to him and keeps them to himself rather than using them for the kingdom. So, uh, so rather, and rather than thinking about, it, oh, like I'm, I'm saving other people by, by not using these, it's actually at the expense of other people because they are unable to see the grace that is on offer for them. And for the Jews, uh, they were actually guilty of this, and this is one of the criticisms that Jesus had of the Jews of that time, is that rather than being the light to the nations that they were supposed to be, they had actually decided to kind of try and preserve and protect their culture. And so there's a lot of nations around trying to wipe them out and attack them. And so they went into full survival mode and kind of became really insular uh, and really uh, kind of just kind of watching themselves, protecting themselves, uh, making sure that their traditions were passed on and making sure people followed the law and, and nothing else. And so no one was able to see how great God is but rather they just tried to hold the fort and protect and bury the, the grace that God had given them so it was there at the end. And, and sometimes we do a little bit of the same thing. Uh, so, so one way that we do that is we bury the pie to protect ourselves. Uh, and so what I mean by this is we kind of have this mentality where like, I'm happy that I'm a Christian, I'm happy that I'm going to heaven, and I'm happy that I get to be you know, on team Jesus, but it's kind of a little bit scary to kind of share that with anyone else. 
And it's kind of a little bit scary to kind of, you know, go out and, and share uh, with someone what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, it's kind of uh, scary to stand up for what I believe in when someone might kind of mock me or make fun of me or someone might think, think less of me because of what I believe. Uh, and so it's kind of like this idea, and this is the one that's really big for us in our culture today. It's like, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, I know I'm going to heaven, but everyone else can kind of just do their thing and I'll keep my thing to myself. But that's not what we're called to do. That's us burying the thing that God has given us so that we have it at the end for when we, go, when we get to heaven and get to be with Jesus. Like, all right, I have my, have my salvation. Here it is, Jesus. Um, thanks so much for, for giving it to me. But we've buried it. And that's not what we're called to do. That's not who we are called to be. The, the other one is that, that we bury uh, the pie to protect our church. And, and for a lot of like, church is great. Like, we love coming to church. Lots of fun. All our friends are here. Uh, we get to sing our favorite songs. And sometimes we, we, try and make, we try and protect our church and we protect our way of life because that's what is comfortable and known to us. And so rather than using uh, the people that are here in this building and rather using the resources that we have to, to show people who God is and to reach the people around us, we try and protect our little community and, and keep what has always been. And sometimes, uh, we, you know, we just want to sing the same songs. Uh, we want to keep the same people here. We want to keep all the, the, the strange people out uh, that don't kind of get along with us. Uh, we we want to, you know, make sure that, that things stay the same that they always used to be. Make sure the young hooligans kind of keep at bay. Um, all those different things and keep church the way that it should be like in the good old days or, or whatever it is. But that is not who we are called to be. We are not called to make a great church. We are called to show people how great Jesus is. Right? We are called to to show people who Jesus is, not build a really cool church, not have a fancy building, not have a a group, you know, a really, really large group of Christians who who are all really, really, you know, good at Sunday school quizzes. Uh, We are called to show people how great God is. That is what we are called to do. And when we try and build a good church, we, as a group of us, bury, bury the, the talent. And, and one of the cool things about Lakeside is that we, we have made some sacrifice. You know, like, this is a really annoying building to have church in. Uh, like, it's a sacrifice that we have made uh, so that uh, we can reach our community. And there are broader things that we can all improve on and do better so that we can reach our community rather than trying to be just a good church and be a Christian that has, you know, the ticket to heaven uh, and then gets, um, you know, makes it to the end and and has a good time in heaven. Uh, As we read on, um, so... So after a long time, so verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have brought you two more. 
His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. Now, I want to stop there for a second because this, this is, I think, something that's worth just stopping on quickly. The first thing that the one-talent guy does is blame his master for the fact that he hasn't done anything. So rather than being like, yeah, like I didn't do what I was supposed to do, I'm really sorry, he's like, oh, master, like, you're a really hard man. And, and like, it's actually quite harsh language. He's like you're, like, you're pretty ruthless and you're not a very nice guy. And so, I'll, you know, he doesn't take responsibility for himself. And, and quite often... Uh, when we do life and when we try and use our talents or, or don't use our talents, we're very quick to make excuses and we're very quick to, to blame others um, or, to, or to reframe it. We're very good at never being wrong. And even when we are wrong, it's because someone else was more wrong than us. And, and the, the point of this story isn't that we are perfect. It's not that we always follow the rules and that, that we're like... The, the most goodest church person ever, but it's about that we use what, what, you know, what we were called to use, um, not that we were a perfect person. And, and quite often when we have to, you know, when we're living a life trying to be the perfect person, it means that quite often like we're not living the life that we're supposed to live anyway. Because rather than kind of being repenting and being like, oh, like I didn't do this thing super well, here's something for me to work on in the future um, and, and I hope to do better next time and using your talents better next time rather than doing the wrong thing, uh, we kind of have to live and die by the narrative that we excuse ourselves from. And so it's a side note, but be quick to repent. Don't make excuses when you fall short, because you will fall short. That's how everything works, and that's why we have Jesus. But be quick to repent, to be quick so that we can use our talents better. That's a side note. Um, moving on. So, the master, so he said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Uh, so I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, uh, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I had not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put the money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so this is the second point. Know what the pie is for. Quite often when we kind of get to a passage like this, um, you probably think, like, we have busy lives. There is a lot of stuff that you're dealing with that you're trying to work through, um, and, and, you know, like, it's really hard to try and be a better Christian. And when it comes down to like, all right, you're supposed to be using your talents to serve God and you're supposed to be doing a better job, uh, it's really easy to kind of be like, man, like how the heck am I supposed to fit this in? This is really hard and it's really discouraging because I'm already trying really hard and I don't feel like I have time to do more or be better or whatever because it's, it's just really hard. 
Like it's really hard. And, and, and the point here, and when we talk about doing things better and using gifts better and all that kind of stuff, it's not you have to kind of just be a better worker or, or, or work smarter or, or you know, sacrifice an extra two hours of sleep. It's the fact that we know God better and then respond better to who God is. And for the one talent guy, I think he didn't know who his master was. Because the master's like, hey, like, you guys have done really well with what I've given you. Come share in my happiness. We'll have a good time together. And, and, and this, this one talent guy is like, oh, you're hard and you're harsh and you're mean. And so I didn't want to risk losing your money. And, and when you break the, the thing down more, the, the one that he's bearing the talent from is Jesus. And if there's anyone that has grace and mercy, it's Jesus. And, and so it's not a failure that he didn't work hard enough. It's not, it's not a failure. Like, he's probably a really hard worker. Like, he's probably, he would do his job to what, and what he was told to do, but he didn't know who his master was. And so instead of sharing what he had been given around and, and turning it into more, instead of doing what he was called to do, he hides it, thinking that his master is harsh. And quite often, like, our inability to work hard or harder or do a better job or do more with what we're given or whatever we want to, however we want to look at it, isn't because we're just not working hard enough. And it's not just because, you know, like, you didn't have the right kind of, you know, work ethic or any of those kind of things. And, and for a lot of religions, that's kind of like the thing that's kind of hammers, like you need to work hard, you need to do better. If you want to get yourself into heaven, you have to do more. You have to stretch yourself more. But for us, like we're saved by grace. Like we're, we're not doing this to earn something. God doesn't say that you have to work X hard to get into X spot in heaven. But when we know who our master is, we respond differently. And, and, and my challenge is, like, sometimes we, we just forget who God is. And so when we, when we reject God and when we, you know, when we sin, it's not necessarily us, you know, just not working hard enough. We forget that God, like the, thing, the rule that's in place or the thing that, you know, breaks God's law is actually something that's good for us. Or we forget that, that God really cares about your relationship with Him and when you sin against Him, that it actually hurts that relationship. And, and so it's not a failure to work hard or be better or whatever. It's the fact that sometimes we just don't know who God is or we, or we don't know Him well enough to, to respond to what He has called us to and so I want, I want to let you know, like, the, the thinking behind this is, like, we need to use what we have given to grow God's kingdom, and we need to do it better. But I don't want it to be just about working harder and, and you know, like, working until you have blisters on your hands and sleeping three hours a night um, so that you have more time for evangelism. But I want you to know who God is. Know how much grace and mercy He has given you. Know how much He loves you. 
Know what a gift it is to have a relationship with him. Know how amazing it is to know that Jesus sent his son to die on the cross. Know what a, what a crazy thing it is that he rose again and he conquered sin and death and that, that we get to be with him one day forever and ever and know those things, to be changed by those things. Not just working harder. That's not what it's about. When um, You ever hear those stories about like, um, the mum who like lifts the car off of their child, like and you know like you know there's you know, like the mum hasn't been like working in the gym for that day when that happens, like it's not that the mum was training, they're a bodybuilder, and then like when they did it, like all right, this is what we've been training for, put their weight belt on, lift up the car, good technique, and then like the child is saved. It's like this adrenaline response to a situation where they just react to what is going on, their their body kicks in and they just go. It just happens. We don't even know why it happens. It just happens. That is what we want. We just have this like adrenaline-filled reaction to like, man, this is crazy who God is. This is incredible. And this is how I respond because of how amazing that is. That is what we want. That is what we want to be. That is what we are called to do. And that brings us to my last point. Go get some pie. Like, go and use what God has given you. See, like, know who you are. Know what God has... Because, like, sometimes it's really hard to figure out who we actually are and what God has given us. Like, talk to someone. Like, hey, like, what, who has God made me to be? What has God given me that I can use for the sake of the kingdom? What can I use to bring people in, in the life around me, in the life... Be, like, what can I do to help bring people to Jesus? Because I love God, I want to respond to that grace argument, and I want to use that with all my might so that I can share it with the people around me. I want more pie for God because that is the best thing for, for the people around me in my kingdom. So I'm going to go get some pie. Figure out who you are. Uh, and then also, um, think about... Think about like who you can reach as well. Like, because like it's evangelism is like a scary thing, right? And and, and building God's kingdom is a scary thing because there's a lot of responsibility. It's really scary to talk to someone about Jesus. Um, every time I get my hair cut, I get stuck doing it because they ask me what I do for a living. Um, and it's really strange. But it's like figure out who you can reach, like figure out how you can you can stretch and grow. Because it's gonna be uncomfortable. Like I'm just gonna um, put that out there. It's not you're not going to be like, yay, like this is super easy. Uh, go and get some pie because that is what God has made you to do. That is who God has created you to be. God has given you skills and abilities. God has given you a gift of living in an awesome country. God has given you a, a church community around you that can support you and help you grow. But go get some pie. Go and get some pie. And, and if you're like, I'm not sure how to do that, and I'm really confused uh, by what Braden talked about for the last 30 minutes. Um, come talk to a pastor. You've seen most of us up on stage. Um, we'd love to talk to you and figure out like, how can you use what God has given you to grow God's kingdom? Because that's what we're about. We're not about just getting the free ticket to heaven. We're not about trying to just be a really good church. But we're about showing people who Jesus is and showing him how great he is. So let's go and get some pie. You guys are probably hungry now, uh, so I'm going to pray, uh, and then the worship team is going to come up.
Father, we, we want to thank you that you are a good God. You're an incredible God. And, and we thank you for the grace that you've given us. We thank you for your son, Jesus, uh, and that we get the opportunity to have a relationship with you. Uh, and, and Lord, sometimes it's hard to, to carry out what you've called us to do. Um, so help us to do it better. Help us to know you more. Help us not to hide or be afraid, but help us to know you and respond to who you are so that we can build your kingdom, so that you can grow what you have entrusted to us. We thank you for this church and just thank you for these people here, and I just pray that you continue to bless them and grow them, help them to be courageous, help them to be people that want to go out and, and, and share your message with the people in our communities and beyond. In your name we pray. Amen.